On this episode, I have with me Vikas Kumar Sharma. He's the head of data, AI, and ML at CNA Insurance. We're going to be talking about productizing data and, and what it means and some of the ramifications of companies that are moving from legacy to cloud and prioritizing business value, a whole host of different things. We'll see how much we can cover. Uh, Vikas, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Amir. Um, pleasure uh, to be here. And then, you know, it's an honor to talk, speak with you about this. So just to start, I just want to make sure that, you know, my this is my personal thought. It is, it is my current employer, my past employer. It's a journey I have gone through in the data space. And I want to share my learning from this journey uh, with, with you, everybody here. Awesome. So I guess let's let's start from the top in terms of you know some of your responsibilities. I know obviously that your views are not CNA insurance, but uh, people are going to want to know kind of just who they are, just to have some context, and then what your responsibilities are as the head of data, AI, and ML before we dive in. Yeah, I think the responsibility started all the way from um, you know how do you think about. Uh, a data transformation in a, in a whole in a holistic view, right? So when companies started to think about moving their ecosystem from on-premises to the cloud, what are the gotchas? What are the frameworks? What are the things in terms of you know platform data culture you need to be aware of, and and then you know combine these together. So I think it's it's a it's a fascinating story if you are working towards it or you're already in the process. Um, so. It, what we have to think about is when I say holistic, the holistic picture is how the data has been established in your organization, what currently people are using it and how they are using it and why they are using it. I think these are the three things you need to answer before you even think about it. You know, what are the business, what's the business value from this transformation, right? I I'm I over the last many years, what I've learned is is moving the data is is not gonna solve everything. You need to tie that journey to business value. What business value is gonna deliver from this data, right? What are the KPIs you're gonna improve? I start with very small KPIs, metrics, OKRs. That's how you're going to identify uh, even the use cases which will help you find out which data and platform you need to target first. And then I would say that start thinking not from technology perspective, but from business perspective. You know, involve business from the beginning so that you get the best value from this journey. So I would say in and all, I think, and then we can go in and, and dive into technical specification about this. What's the manifest and you know, how do you do this whole charter? But in general, uh, my 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 opinion is my point of view is you start this from identifying solving what business cases you're trying to solve, mm-hmm. and then and then work backward. So I guess in terms of when we talk about productizing data, uh, we hear that a lot. Tell us tell us what that really means. What, why why does somebody want to productize data? So I think productizing data, and, and and thank you for asking this question. I think there are, there are many camp out there and many school of thoughts about this. And okay, every some people have different opinion about this. Everybody has a so. There's let me contextualize this into my point of view. I think productionizing is data is again again. I will gonna re reemphasize the tie to the business value. In my view, that a data product should directly or indirectly 
uh, correlated or associated with the business value. So when I talk about let's let's talk about let's go a little deeper into this one. So when I talk about data product, let's say you you create a data product for unification of the data. That itself can be a data product, right? So in in on-premises world, in old world, you have data marts, you have Hadoop cluster, you have so many data marts out there, right? So how do you convert that into a data product into the cloud? So how do you leverage, and the, and that's where it goes into the more technical specifications, right? Cloud gives you the capability of, you know, MPP data databases, like BigQuery, Snowflake, and that shit, and things like that. So I think you start to think about, okay, if I use and bring this data from siloed on-premises data mart to one unified data product so to solve my business use cases so that my business partners and my, my business <coughs> data analysts are not going and, and struggling to search for the data. And then you start thinking about other data products as well. You have that, you know, catalog is a product itself. You can talk about it. And then could be a platform. You build a self-serve platform to bring this all together. So Data Mesh, I did a podcast a few, few weeks ago or months ago about Data Mesh. Then Jamak actually talked about data products as a single dimension um, value proposition for the data mesh. And you have to tie this together. So I think what I'm trying to say here is start thinking about what objective you're trying to solve. Compress and com- and put a composition around that. So for example, data product for unification of a data, it makes sense. Like people talk about data fabrics, right? that could be a data product itself. And then you see how we can <coughs> tie this and make sure that, you know, again, we go back to a data product. Which once you establish the data product, then you start to build the characteristics around that. You know, and then SLAs and OKR and things like that. I appreciate the uh, overview. I think that was quite quite helpful to hear that. I guess when you're you're looking at you know companies of different sizes, everyone's trying to take advantage of of their data. Um, obviously, some are already in the cloud, some are legacy, but everyone wants to maximize the the value of their data. And this concept of productizing data comes into play and it adds, you know, potentially some complications because you haven't done some of the plumbing or you need plumbing and then you have to wait and you have to wait for things to catch up. When you're looking at companies that are looking to bridge the gap or even current companies, it doesn't matter. There's a certain amount of work that goes in. Same as software engineering. You can't just release a product. You need the plumbing to go in. You need the, uh, you know, before you see it. So it's, it's, it's all the same, I guess. But in, in when you're dealing with business, and where they're used to the immediate, not immediacy, but faster reports. Hey, I'll just go jump in Excel to do this, or hey, I can go do this faster. And now you're saying, hey, this is a product. Does that shift how leaders on the business side are looking at data and its you know, delivery? Hi, I think um, that's a fascinating question, Amir. I think um, the way I see is you need to, again, look at the data and then I, I, de- I define data in two categories. Right, the actionable data and then data insights only. So data insight, and you have to bring this together. Actionable data insights, basically, and see uh, what are the things you can do. And then it's, it's not only just data scientists. I think what the way I see industry is moving, it's industry moving from BI to AI, and you will soon soon see that happening. But we, but people have trusted BI for decades. If you look at it, right? If you look at it, Excel, right? It it, has, it doesn't have to be fancy. The way the what I'm trying to say here is, you need to build the stakeholder trust. 
into into your data product, whatever you're doing it, right? Establishing a trust into a data product is will go a long way. And how do you bring that trust? I think you, you start slowly, you add incremental value, you validate the business and then say, hey, what I'm building is what is providing a value to you in your business. Can you, you were getting data maybe an hourly, I can give you minutes, will it help you? So I think it all starts, the conversation should start from the business. And then you start to identify what's the actionable data you can give it to them on what frequency once you have the data out there in the cloud. Another thing you you were talking about the software, you know, analogy. So in my view, what I see is data engineering actually has become a probably software engineering plus data engineering together, combine it together the way I see it. Because in software engineering, you have this React JS. And I, I can tell you my platform, some of the one I built in the past, has React, has microservices, has UI, has security, everything together, right? And then you t- on top of that, you bring the data complexity. So, and that can itself add a lot of value if you do this right. Because for instance, data and security and is probably if you do this right will go a long way. And even even in AI ML space, right? If you if you folks are familiar about you know training data and serving data, data has to flow all the way at the same data. Otherwise, you're gonna have problems, right? It's like it's like a conductor of orchestration, right? Orchestration a conductor has to make sure that no instrument goes out of the tune. Otherwise, your music will not sound good. So I think it, data really is a, a very powerful tool, but you have to reuse it right. Let me actually ask you a question based off of that. So I, I mean, I definitely, you see the, the change in data, whether it's data engineering, ML engineering, you see the, the, the impact of software engineering coming in, the APIs, you mentioned React, all those things. As you're looking to build teams and, and people are trying to productize data, what kind of changes happen to the makeup of a team, right? So all of a sudden, you know, unless you have course, you know, shared services, it seems like there's a lot. You 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 throw out a bunch of different stuff: some security, React, you know, containers, infrastructure. I mean, there's a lot of different pieces you need to to build out your platform to actually productize your data. Yeah, I think, and 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 you are absolutely right. I think the team composition is also what what problem you're trying to solve. I think, to me, I think uh, microservice is going to stay here forever. They're not going away, right? So I think that 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 ca- talent capability has to be there. Now you think about from data engineering perspective, um, there are different languages and technologies out there. People people need to know. And and if you if you bring the software side of it, I think React Angular JS is because you need to build a UI for the interaction from the end user. Right? If I'm building a self-service platform, I need to shape that and and you know provide a user interface to some some share form so that people can interact with that, right? And that's how that helpful in provisioning the environment environment for you, provisioning the platform for you. And then you start to think about intricacies, right? They, you only see that outer picture, but they are underneath that, as you talked about it, there are microservices. There are Kubernetes cluster, there are containers, there are securities, right? How and then how you you deal with your underlying platform? Hey, like for for example, I wanted to build a data as a service, right? But without knowing where the data is, data as a service should know, like okay, this user have access to this X Y Z data, and and I can provision this data for him without him telling me. 
So, so what what I can tell you one more extent is your API should be able to find out a person belongs to this organization. He has this access, and the data as a service should be able to manifest that for him. Right? There are a lot of moving pieces here, and then but you need to make sure that it's it's built right. And um, one of the things I I would emphasize here is auditable. Right, auditability about these platforms. Right, who's accessing what? The observability of this platform. You know, who's accessing what at what time? Because one thing you don't want to just provide access and forget about it. You don't want to provision data and forget about it. You know, cloud also give you capability to create cluster on fly, but then you have to make sure that they are used for the right uh, workload and they are gone when the workload is not needed. That's where the serverless come into the picture. So there are many things that people you know in the mix right now, but you were talking about team composition, so I will quickly jump onto team composition. I think it's it's a workload-related. You you have a bigger problem to solve, but I would suggest you start to decomposition composition that problem into uh, building blocks, and that's how you allocate team to build those building blocks. And that, and that's interesting because I think as you're as you're kind of talking about the building blocks and and you know the different skill sets, right? The shift you mentioned, you know, from BI to you know, uh, what, what is the analytics, data science, AI? I mean, it seems like the complexity has been increasing. I guess from your perspective, I mean, you, you, you're you a leader within the data AI ML space. I'm sure you have phenomenal team underneath you. How do you start your roadmap and planning? So if you're trying to actually, you know, actually, that, that's the question, maybe. Let's start there. How, how do you actually build that roadmap out with all these different components, all the nuances and changes and developments? How do you start establishing something like that? It's actually this question is very near and dear to my heart, and I'll tell you why. Because I think one of the things I'm trying to infuse into my teams and and everybody and the leaders, I'm sure everybody will appreciate it, that, you know, and then some companies still do. I'm not going to name them. They they, try, they will try to do the shiny object. Like, we, let's build this everything from the shiny object. What I have learned over time is you sit with customer, interview your customer, see what they are trying to do, see what are their pain points, and ask multiple whys. I think in the product industry, I'm, I'm sure who, people who work in product understand this analogy. Ask why, 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 why are they doing that, right? So you build your product based on customer needs what they are they wanted to do and what are the pain points they have it then you start to back work backward into your team and first of all not just the team create start creating the vision for that what they really need and make sure you socialize that vision with with your customers right because you want to make sure what you're building is useful for them and then you decompose that into strategies. I would say vision has to decompose. So I'm not even talking about teams right now here. We're talking about just creating the vision and strategies for this data product. And then the strategies will have a clear goals. This is what we want to build, incremental product. And then once you have incremental tasks and, and stories or apps, whatever you want to call it in the real world, then you start to decompose the, the, the teams. For example, for, for like MLOps is a very fancy word right now. People are, everybody's talking about MLOps. But you, if you look at the underneath the MLOps, there are three major components the way I see it. One is the data ops, other is the feature ops, and the third is the model ops. Right. And if you look at it, if you look at it or everything together in the model engineering and any IML workspace, the model code is only 10 to 20 percent. Rest is 80 percent. So how do you make sure that you build 80 percent right 
to make this 20% successful. That's actually really interesting. Um, and I think to kind of go back to, you know, you obviously have walked us through some of those decision points. How do you factor in the ra- rapid change changes that are also coming, right? There's like literally things popping on the horizon that no one thought about. You have to start, you know, maybe anticipating or strategically planning around potential and, and other options. And as the, the complexities change and all of a sudden now you're responsible for an ML team, an AI team, training data, not just producing analytics or, you know, reporting. When you start factoring in some of those complexities in planning you know, quarters on out, how, how do you actually then not become maybe, and I know there's going to be a lot of this going to be business value driven, but how do you keep trying to make sure that you're tying the business value, the ROI to the stuff that's coming out maybe a quarter or two down the road? Yeah, I think again, you 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 took part of my answer out already, but I think I'll, I'll try to rephrase it differently. I think, for example, there's a LLMs coming, there's Gen AI, Gen AI coming, and everybody's trying to, you know, get into that so they're not left behind. But I would say, but but there's a component from even for this initiative which goes tied back to the business, and we and some and maybe perhaps in this uh, journey they don't know the value they don't know yet. They will still figure it out. So that's a unique thing about this one right now. But I will tell you that you still have to figure it out what data you're going to expose to this one. So as long as you know which data you're trying to expose and utilize it, and again, it's going to be risk and reward. You know, the, the pendulum has to say, okay, what's the risk here? What's the reward here, right? So I think this is something is new and everybody's trying to get into this train so that it doesn't leave the platform. But I would say in from the platform perspective, I think, one good thing about the data ecosystem and in open source community, uh, they are proactively thinking about these things and making it available for us to consume. So as long as your ecosystem, uh, if, if you tie to a Google, if you tie to Amazon, if you tie to other cloud provider, they are proactively bringing these technologies together. But if you have a, if you have a open source based platform, they are also actively trying to bring this thing together. So, so the, the good thing about the data ecosystem, I would say, is everybody's aware of it. I mean, they might be in beta, but I think you have to take your own risk and maybe not do it in production right away, but it's test and learn in your sandbox environment and see what you can do around that one. And I actually like how you phrased the risk reward. Um, you don't want to be left at the train station. And also, I guess, when you look at that, I mean, you can be be incorrect as well. You could have journey down a path that that's a dead end or you know a road that that's less than ideal maybe it was a it was a quick quick surge and people thought and it didn't materialize so i guess as as you mentioned you don't want to be left behind at the train station being early has its advantages it has its dangers without risk reward back to the business value uh for your organization how do you how do you evaluate that, right? Because obviously, if you're too early and maybe it doesn't materialize, you spent resources on something that doesn't doesn't have any any upside. If you wait too long and all your competitors are leveraging it, then you're playing catch up. I, I asked a different leader the same question. I'm just kind of curious how how you kind of view that situation. Uh, and so I would just provide my personal opinion on this one because this is a very sensitive topic. I think if if an organization can identify the right use cases. And then I think the philosophy of 
crawl, walk, run doesn't go away. I would still say you try to crawl, you learn from it. And then if you do this right, right, it's like a philosophy what Apple does, right? Apple do it right, but they take time to do it right. They don't care about if the computer is building something crowd and but it and there are they want to miss the train. I would say uh, try to do it right and and use the framework crawl, walk and run. That would be my personal suggestion. Right? And identifying the right use cases. It could be that you identify the use cases which is hard to solve. Uh, but I think let's let but but that use cases give you the you know the the hyper value. Let's let's work towards it. In, in in a, I worked in a startup. What I've learned about it is basically there are many many jillions priority, right? So you identify which priority will give you the uplift from your ecosystem, and and so start building towards it. So I think it's it's a it's a mix of balancing the priority, identifying what's the value is, and then do we have the data available for that? I think that's people still miss out that one, right? You have do you have the data for that one to make that successful? As a leader, uh, uh, when you're when you're doing your job, do you have to change how you've approached your your role and and, and your vision, your strategy based on the rapid pace of change that's hitting data? You know, you know all these different things that we've talked about so far on the show. Um, they make me feel like, man, you've got to be you know your your leadership style even has to evolve because. So many pivots, so many adjustments, so much rapid change. Have you seen a change in your own leadership style? In my leadership style, it's actually is I measure my leadership style on the point of time. So, so at what point in time I'm reacting to situations, right? There is no set framework which you can apply to all of the situations, right? So I think leadership style um, is is something which I adopt as as based on the current measurement or current scenario which I'm dealing with. So sometime I had to go and and you know and then empower team, empower people to based on my learning that guys, this is something we can do it. Right? You have to you know think big about this one. Sometimes you have to say then and put a fence out there no it's, this is not available we are not you know this uh, ready to uh, to adopt this you know so those are things i would say my leadership style in terms of working is it depends upon what situation i'm dealing with but i i have an open mind about everything even for jnai and other technologies as well but i think and then you should always try and test these things i think uh, otherwise so my style is you should always try if it's fail, it's fine. You at least did it, so you don't have a regret about I didn't. I did not try that. And I think that's a. I think that's a great. You know, it's, it, it is a framework in of itself. Of, uh, you know, I think I think what you described is your own framework of being flexible, adaptive, and you know, being uh, quick to change to the needs of the business. Um, and everything you've said kind of aligns to that thus far in the show. When you're watching other leaders come up to the organization. Obviously, and you're you're seeing their strengths and weaknesses. How do you help them understand areas to work on? Because obviously, you can look back now and kind of determine how you approach problem solving. But you know, as you have leaders that are emerging and growing into new leadership roles, they need some of that mentorship and and helping them find what works for them. But sprinklingly, and some of the best practices you've you've come up with. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting question. I think, um, and everybody in, in every organization try to you know tell and tell the leaders, hey, if you have gone tomorrow, what's going to happen to to this workspace? So I think it's so. What I tell it, it's a learning process, and and we make sure that you know uh, you socialize from what you have learned so far. Right? How do you approach a certain scenarios? How do you react to certain situations? I have realized that don't react to a situations. I think, and 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 you won't you won't believe how many of us do that still. So I think a situation reaction is the worst thing for a leader. So I would say don't react to situation. And and I've seen in a startup, I'll tell you that uh, you know all of a sudden my my CEO and CTO president wants I want this to be done tomorrow. I want this to be done in one week. So how do you how do you okay, you don't react at that times. You you come next day and have a conversation with them because if you're going to have the sit conversation that day, you're not going to win that conversation. I can tell you that. So the so, so situ- so situation is like you you absorb the things, you identify what is he trying to uh, ask you to build, you 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 create the data points around that one. That okay, if if you think it's a good idea, of of course go for go for it. But if you think it's going to change the team dynamics, if you think it's going to derail everything what we're doing it, then have a candid conversation with them and see, okay, these are the things I'm currently having played and you want me to ask, work on these things. Let's, uh, let's, let's sit and talk about it. What's the business value? What's ROI from this versus this one? And if you really do, really, really want to do that one, then give us a capacity to work on it and we'll work on it. I mean that's pretty pretty good observation. I appreciate that. I was gonna say um I could I could definitely keep uh you know asking you questions along this uh line of thought. I think I think you've got answers uh for everybody. I know you gotta get back to your your day job. Um I was gonna ask you, I, I like to ask uh, everyone on the show this question. You know, if you could ask a future guest to cover a topic for you on the show, what would you like to hear about? I think I would like to probably talk about what current, um, you know, hyper talk right now, which is Gen AI and, you know, LLMs and, and how people are, uh, if you are reading about it, and I've had talks with one of my you know, mentors and leaders, and, and they are currently reading at least a couple of hours every day about this one. As they talk about, the, you know, train uh, leaving the platform. I think they they want to make sure they're a driver of that train. So I think uh, something about is, and I'm I am candidly trying to read through, but it's so much out there. You know, it has just come up like a mushroom. You know, all together. And how do you deal with it? It's very hard. So I think if you have a future guest, see okay, what are their thoughts on this? And and overall, one of the things I am trying to see is this overall AI ML ecosystem. How this is evolving. I I. I can tell you that I think 70-80% experiment doesn't go to the, the fruition. They, they just died out there because either the, the feature is wrong, either the business proposition is gone by the time you build the solution, or the data is not available for us. Or So I think those are the few things, few thoughts I have, I think, uh, which I'm going to probably, you know, would like to talk about. I can talk about it if you want me to, but but something for future guests. Awesome. Yeah. No. Maybe we we do a follow up. Uh, maybe a, you know, a roundtable, something like that. I think those are great topics. Because how, how should somebody contact you if they want to pick your brain on anything you mentioned on the show? I have a LinkedIn profile, um, uh, which I think you want to mention it. 
but I have a Twitter account as well, Vikas Kumar Nine, um, which so happy to you know talk to anybody. I'm I'm always learning, um, you know, uh, and that's one thing I'm not I'm not gonna probably lose is just always learning. Absolutely, I love it. Thank you for being on. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mohammed, and thank you for having me. Absolutely, that's it for today's episode. Back in to forget different topic. If you found the podcast useful, please share it with someone else who might. That's how the podcast grows. Like, subscribe, leave a review wherever you are listening to this episode. I'd appreciate that. Thank you and goodbye.